If you would open up your copy of God's Word this morning to Mark chapter 1. We're continuing our series of Mark following the servant king. Mark chapter 1. I'm going to read for us verses 21 to 28. As I read these over you this morning and we go to prayer, I want you thinking of this truth. In the authority of Jesus Christ comes our security. The fullness of any hoped for Sought after security comes through the authority of Jesus Christ. This is what the Word of God says. Mark chapter 1, verses 21 and 28. They went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at His teaching. For He taught them as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. The unclean spirit, convulsing the man and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey Him. And at once His fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. Father, we come to You right now grateful we've encountered Your presence already through fellowship with one another through worship, with song and instrumentation. Right now we ask in the name and the power of resurrected Jesus that you would privilege us with encountering you through the proclamation of your word. I am inadequate to accomplish such a task. So we ask that you'd have your way during this time. Show us clearly your word. Speak to our hearts. Impact our lives. We pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Growing up in a house of four boys, I'm the youngest of four. Seems there was always a Saturday every year. No, scratch that. There was always three to four Saturdays a year. And always at a most inconvenient time on the calendar in which Daddy would wake all four of us boys up at the crack of dawn on a Saturday. Anybody relate? Come on, amen, something. Okay. He would wake us up at the crack of dawn on Saturdays because in the backyard, his prized and miscellaneous piles of leftover construction material desperately needed either relocated somewhere or reorganized. Anybody testify to that? I think my mom thought it was more desperately in need of reorganizing or relocating. So we'd wake up and we'd go out there. And something I remember most about those Saturday mornings, it it wasn't the hard work involved. It it wasn't the the occasion of missing our special Saturday morning cartoons. What I remember most wasn't even the the strategy that us brothers had employed. We, We would strategically make bathroom requests to see who could get out of the most work. Anybody testify to that? That's truth. No, what I remember most about those Saturday mornings be it 
stacks of lumber from a recent fencing project or, or piles of stones from a spring gardening project. What I remember most is as we'd approach whatever pile or stack or heap of material it may have been, as us boys would first go to that which was most exposed, that which was easiest accessible, we'd make our way down and then it was never desired among any of us to be situated in that, that assembly line where we would be the ones tasked to lift the bottom layer of material. You know, the, the moist, cold sheets of plywood that have been embedded in the ground for months are the stones that you'd have to lift up because we knew with certainty what lied on the other side of that material. Creepy, cringeworthy crawlers, right? I'm not talking about cool lizards. I'm not talking about cool frogs. I'm talking about vile snakes. I'm talking about spiders. And I'm talking about probably the most God-forsaken creepy crawler out there. The ones that somehow never die. The, some, the ones out there that, that even know how to fly. The la cucaracha, right? The cockroach. We would never want to be the ones who have to lift it up and run as fast as we could to drop it where its new place would be before all the crawlers would get on us. We knew as we would lift a stone or pick up a moist sheet of plywood, as that hidden underbelly of darkness was exposed to the light for a first time in a long time, that which was vile and foul would scurry away and flee. Go with me to Capernaum. Jesus, the light of the world, is teaching in a synagogue here. It says, verses 21 and 22, He taught as one with authority, unlike the teachers of the law. And what I want to tell you this morning, church, stones were being lifted. Material was being unearthed and the hidden underbellies of darkness was being exposed by the light of Jesus Christ that day. And we see some unforgettable things unfolded as a result. Scripture says that he taught as one with authority in verses 21 and 22. There in the synagogue, they were thunderstruck. They were astonished. They were trembling. They were fearful, startled, shocked to the core. There was a sense of panic as a result of the authority that was carried from Jesus as God speaking these teachings. Think about the synagogue system. We hit it on last week as well, but it's critical to reestablish here. Think about that. They, they've been going through this practice. They, they're reading the book they have at that point or the scroll they have at that point. God's love letter of the Old Testament. And then all of a sudden that day in Capernaum, the very author of that book comes on scene and rather than relying on a cold, dry, dead interpretation or a manipulated perspective from a rabbi or someone referencing a prophet, the author himself comes and gives great clarity with the authority. Imagine within that synagogue structure, a structure that was constructed by God, this framework of, of worship and prayer and proclamation of the Old Testament law and then teaching on that. And then one day in Capernaum, the very architect of that structure comes in place and gives clarity. Hebrews says, the author and finisher of our faith. Imagine him on scene in the weight of authority that is carried in that moment. They are thunderstruck. They are paralyzed and astonished. And scripture says in verse 23, that in their astonishment, not Twitter-worthy phrases, not an impressment, but a trembling to their core, 
It says, a man in their synagogue filled with an unclean spirit cries out. Jesus speaks the weight of his teaching unlike ever before, one with authority unlike the teachers of the law. He does it. They are astonished in all jaws dropped. And then this crazy man comes in and cries out. What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Are you here to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. And guys, that is so grossly understated. Could you imagine a demonic force, a demon charged by Satan himself, possessing a man's body, speaking and acting through this man's physical existence and crying out this declaration across the synagogue? They thought they were astonished. That's when pandemonium struck across the synagogue. It says he was filled with an unclean spirit. To which we think, okay, well, what does that really mean? We know there's demoniacs throughout New Testament. We know there's demon possession throughout the New Testament. It's all pretty synonymous. An unclean spirit. This man is demon possessed. He is known now at this point as a demoniac in the synagogue. I told you stones are being lifted. The light of Jesus' teaching is occurring and now the darkness is fleeing. They cannot be rested anymore. An unclean spirit is filling this man. But it's not a medical condition. We can't read this passage and just, just write it off of, oh, here's just a medical situation, anxiety or, or severe depression, things like that. No, this is a spiritual power. A very demon has been charged by Satan to come in and control this man's body. So here's a little side note that we've got to visit before we go any further. What this tells us, this man was an unbeliever. He was not a believer in faith with relationship with God as father. You might say, well, how do you know that, pastor? That's, that sure is speculative. Well, no, when you're a believer, when you're in a faith-based relationship with God the Father, for us, that's through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ at this point. But if you're a believer in relationship with God the Father, who owns you? God the Father. Who possesses you? God the Father. There is no way, no how, ever a possibility in which you can then come in and be owned or possessed by any other than God the Father. You may think I'm still speculating. That is amen worthy. Praise the Lord for that. I'm not speculating. It's straight from Scripture. John chapter 10, Jesus says, Anyone who comes into the grip of a relationship with God the Father shall not be plucked from his hand. It goes on to John 10, chapter 30. Where Jesus describes that, he says, I and the Father are one. Anyone who comes to me then becomes one with the Father just as I am one with the Father. So we consider this. Has there ever been a time in all eternity past when Jesus was never one with the Father? No, he's always been one with the Father. He will always be at one with the Father. And if Jesus says that through relationship with God the Father, we are then one with the Father as he is, is there ever a possibility in which we may never be at one with the Father? No. So in the synagogue that day in Capernaum, Satan has charged one of his demons to go possess a man. And for whatever reason, this demon who possesses this man chooses, I'm going to attend synagogue on Sabbath. That's the more critical question. Why in the world is this demon going to synagogue? I remember a sign I saw at a church one day. I don't know, it was probably road travel someday. And I saw it on, on the side of the road. It said, Get in church so Satan can't get you. 
sounds like something my mom might say or some, one of your parents. I don't, I don't know, but it sounds well-intended, doesn't it? We've got right here in the Word of God, a demon is in church, so to speak. Okay. Why? Well, let's think about it. In all the history of humanity, there is none better at being clothed in religion than Satan and his demons. Amen? There's no one better who puts on an outward appearance that looks right, that looks God-honoring, that looks well-intended, only below the surface to reveal an inner emptiness, a hollowness of existence with no substance. And we know in just this very response, Jesus of Nazareth, you're the Holy One of God. Satan agrees with monotheism. This demon and all the demonic forces at play through the spiritual dark realm, they know who he is. They believe that and understand that Jesus is the only way to God the Father. But they practice their false religion. They practice the expounding of truth to a fault. Because they've rejected the opportunity to sincerely surrender themselves and worship to God the Father. They know who he is. They know even what it should look like. But they choose to reject the offer to sincerely surrender themselves and worship to God the Father and Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Hmm. 2,000 years ago in Capernaum in a synagogue at a religion, religious service where our Lord was physically attending a demon is present. If that were possible, what realities may exist here among us today? I'm not pausing my eyes because I'm intentionally thinking of someone out here today. Don't read me wrong, but don't miss it either. There are perhaps, there's likely someone here today who Satan has charged a demon to possess and to look as if you are a believer, to proclaim the truth. Maybe you've been here for years and decades and you look the part, you sound the part, you say the right things, you endorse monotheism, but you in your heart of hearts know you have rejected the sincere offer of surrender to worship Christ as your Lord and Savior. His true authority and dominion in your life, you want nothing of it. Today we're gathered that your astonishment and fear may transfer and shift to an astonishment of faith. Because the demons and Satan himself know it, they proclaim it. But they're an astonishment of who he is, Jesus of Nazareth. They consciously decide to reject it over and over again. So we come here. This man cries out. This man, uh, as a mouthpiece, or the, the demon uses him as a mouthpiece, as a conduit. He says these things. He says, you are Jesus of Nazareth. He knows who he is. He, he appeals to his um, simultaneous uh, humanity and deity. Jesus, the one who comes to save, 
of Nazareth, the one who was born. You came clothed in flesh. You stooped down in humanity to complete this redemptive task that God the Father has set you to. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? And then he asks, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. He knows he is king. He knows where the king is. There too is his kingdom that is offered to all humanity. And this demon knows by this declaration, it truly is the beginning of their end. He continues in verse 25. Imagine the commotion going on. And Jesus simply replies with words. If you study the Greek here, Jesus does not say be silent. He says an S word that's probably not appropriate for all of our kids in here. He says hush. We'll go with that. He says hush. And at Jesus' word, instantly, the demon stops speaking words that make sense. He stops articulating words that can be understood. And then Jesus gives a directive to this power of darkness, this demon charged by Satan. It says, come out of him. The scripture describes it. At the words of Jesus, he says, hush. And he shuts his mouth. He says, come out of him. And then what we see, no hocus pocus, no rituals of spinning heads around the shoulders, no mysterious incantation. What we see is that the words of Jesus, the authority of God himself, even the darkness flees and is obedient unto him. His body convulses violently. And then filling the synagogue are these noises of shrieks and crying out. I imagine the end of Harry Potter Part 2, Deathly Hollows, when Harry comes back on the scene and then all the, the dark forces, they just start going up in the air and all you hear are shrieks and wah, wah. It's crazy, it's scary, it's terrifying. All the while victorious because at the light of Jesus' teaching and words, the darkness is fleeing. And then we come to verse 27. Very similar to what we see in 21 and 22. All were amazed because this is a new teaching that Jesus provided. Not only does he teach with authority that doesn't reference the prophets or the empty manipulative traditions of the rabbis from years past, but his teaching comes with authority that for the first time, they see these spiritual, these, these powers that are against their very livelihood, even they obey him. To the point in verse 28, they can't help but as soon as they leave synagogue at the local restaurants, they're telling their waiters and waitresses, you won't believe what happened in synagogue today. They're, they're getting on the phone and calling their friends and families and they're telling them, you won't believe what happened in our service today. Let me tell you about this. Not only does his words of teaching carry authority, but even the darkness even demons obey this man's voice. And herein lies the uniqueness of this passage, guys. Here's, here's where we want to make sure we're, we're checked in. We listen to this. Verse 22, it talks about an authority. It talks about an astonishment. And the connotation of that Greek word there, it, it strikes fear. They're trembling to the core because of what they've heard from this man. 
They're questioning themselves. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it, is it something that's going to benefit me? Is it something that's going to completely ruin me? Should I flee from it? Should I press in and lean in more to it? But then a shift happens in verse 27. The shift takes place. The, the, the scripture uses a different Greek word. It's how just amazing the Spirit is as the Spirit's moved men to write these eternal words of life and transformation. And the Greek word here in verse 27, talking about the astonishment and amazement, carries an encouraging connotation. Where no longer are the, the onlookers all in the synagogue there left with trembling to their core, though there still remains this reverential fear and trembling. But now they recognize the authority that he is expressing, the authority that he's de demonstrating, the authority that they've seen through his words and now physically demonstrated from the demon fleeing and obeying him. They realize his authority. Does it threaten them? Yes. Is it demanding? Yes. But any hope of security is found in that authority they've experienced that day in synagogue. Mark talks about discipleship that's costly. Mark talks about following the servant king at all cost. And what that means for us in these verses 21 to 28 is that as a follower of Jesus Christ, a believer in relationship with God the Father, we must recognize that any security we hope for in this life must come from his authority over us and our existence. They saw for the first time when this it says the demon fled, the demon came out and left. They were amazed. They couldn't stop speaking about it. Just trying to imagine that, that setting. We focused a lot of times on the fact that, oh, he spoke and the demon fled, but Imagine the physical testimony in that man's body as the demon left. He was shrieking previously. He was convulsing. Now the darkness has fled at the light of Jesus' teaching. And what likely do they see? They see a man's, man whose body is stable. They see a man whose um, disposition is calmed. They see a man who's experiencing the direct opposite of what they just saw displayed. He has a peace overwhelming him that he cannot even explain. Every season of the year, but especially in Christmas, life is crazy. And in the craziness of the holidays... We're fooling ourselves if we don't think Satan's there trying to take advantage of it. He's seeking constantly right now with spirits of darkness around us in this place to tempt you, to distract you, to pull you away, to, to attract you and, and make you believe that you can look the parts, you can speak the parts, but giving complete surrender to his authority in your life is not worth it. Who's this man who speaks and there's authority? Who's this man that even the demons obey him? He's the one that in his authority, there we find a fullness of security, truly, that no career, no relationship 
nothing and no one can provide on this earth. So I encourage you this morning to ask God just that. Father, where am I neglecting your authority and as a result remaining insecure? What are my false senses of security? Maybe you just think if you make just a little bit higher of a paycheck or if you just get one more promotion, then things are going to be smooth and then you can do a better job here at Katie's First. Then you can look at obeying him and having that fulfilling relationship like he intends you to do. Then you can have a God-honoring marriage. Then you can get the help you need in your relationships. Then you'll be passionate about evangelism. If, if only you can accomplish some of these other securities first. Satan, not Satan, Jesus. First he says, shutty. No, he says, hush. He says, child, stoop down. Grab whatever wet sheet of plywood you've got in your life. Stoop down, grab whatever cold landscaping stone you have that's been embedded in the lust, in the lies in the sin of this world and this earth, flip it over, lift it up, and let the light of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior expose it, cause the darkness to flee, and give you a fullness of security. God, we ask that you do that just here in this place. That's why we're here, to worship the King, experience the fullness of your security so that we might go from this place and walk in the fullness of who you are and what you've called us to God, we thank you so much that this man, Jesus of Nazareth, fully God, fully man, when he speaks, he carries authority that even demons charged by Satan obey him. Father, we just rejoice in that. How incredible, how amazing you are. Father, in that reality, God, we confess that as great as you are and all that you have to offer us, Lord, all that you offer in salvation through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lord, we confess we're, we're still hesitant. We still speculate, God. We're, we're still slow to surrender everything. We consider it and we realize that you have the best of life. You have the best of security. But Lord, that vulnerability, that authenticity scares us. Lord, just as demons charged by Satan have the power to control unbelievers. We ask that the spirit of resurrected King Jesus in this place would overwhelm every one of us today. Shed your light on the dark underbellies of evil in our own lives so that we might step out in a fullness of trusting you and your authority. So we might truly experience the security you offer. We pray these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.